morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Good to be with you. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Let me give a quick report on this last Wednesday, if you weren't here. We, uh, we set up the tent on Tuesday. First of all, let me just say, by the way, everyone who came out to help, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know there were some people that felt like all they were doing was standing around, but you were giving moral support uh, as we were putting up this tent, and we're still learning how to put the tent up, and that's why we're a little bit slow, but, but uh, we're really excited about what's going on, and uh, so we put it up on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday night, we had a great turnout of over 100 people came out for Wednesday night, and we were out in that tent, and you know, it wasn't too smoky, it was a little bit, you could still see the highlands, so I, I gauge everything by whether I can see the highlands or not, and uh, so it was a great time of fellowship, there was a nice breeze blowing, I, we just, we referred to that as the wind of the Holy Spirit was moving, and uh, we were singing and praising the Lord, it was just a great, great time. And uh, I just, again, and I want to thank everybody who stayed afterward because we had to bring down the tent again afterwards. Um, but we're going to do this again by the grace of God, weather permitting, what I mean by weather, talking about smoke right now. And uh, we're going to try to do this again, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. So we'll have a Tuesday night set up and then a Wednesday night gathering. I want to encourage everybody to kind of set that apart uh, and uh, make a plan on coming out and we're just gonna we're gonna worship and praise the Lord we're gonna hear some testimonies it's gonna be a night of victory a night of celebration a night of healing and uh, so <clears throat> anyway I I just want to thank everybody who participated especially in helping to set that up and take it down but it's going well amen it's going well and uh, we're looking forward to getting as much use as we possibly can in this season right now of smoke and uh, we're gonna in fact we're gonna take a moment here and just we're gonna pray about that very thing we are in a series right now entitled do it yourself discipleship and uh, the Greek word for disciple is methetes and that word refers to a person who is devoted entirely and exclusively to their master. So that when Jesus calls people to be his disciples, he said, I want you to be entirely and exclusively devoted to me. That's the call of discipleship. And we also know that true disciples of Jesus not only listen to what he says, but they learn to follow his example so that they can live just like he lived. A true disciple of Jesus doesn't just hear the word, they do the word. And one of the things that Jesus did that we ourselves are to do is heal the sick. Jesus healed the sick. He said, these things you see me do, you shall do. You're going to do just what I've been doing. And so 
We've talked about a lot of other things, but today we're going to be talking about healing. We're going to talk about healing. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 6. And uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 17, and then we'll look at uh, Luke chapter 9. And it says that Jesus came down with them, or with his disciples, and he stood on a level place with the crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. That was Jesus. But then in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says that Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's the word of God. We're going to dig into that now. But let's pray and let's also pray and agree for rain. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence in this room today. Thank you, Lord. As it were, you have been poured out by your, you poured out your Holy Spirit on us in worship. We feel the refreshing of your presence. God, we agree together right now that you would send down the rain, literally. Send down the moisture of your blessing on our land, and especially in places where there's fires, and then locally here, Lord, for our ranchers and our farmers and for the cattle and for the good of the land, God, we pray that you would be merciful to us, Lord, and send down rain. And we, we, just, we agree together right now, God, that you would just cause there to come precipitation, Lord, that you would cause there to come just, a, just over the land, God, just rain. We pray, we appeal to it, Lord. You said in your word, pray for the former and the latter rain. And so we're praying for that, Lord. We're praying for all of it to come at once in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for your blessing upon this word. And we pray, God, that you would do something in every one of our hearts today. Train us and equip us to do your will in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 Praise God. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right. Well, we know that Jesus referred to himself in the Scriptures as the great physician. And that as the great physician, we know that Jesus came to heal the sick in the sense of our spirit and our soul and our body. What that means is that when Jesus came, he came to be a healer over us in our spirit restoring our relationship back to God. He came also to restore our broken personalities. How many of you know that some of us need a personality healing? 
That would be all of us. Uh, and also he came to heal our physical bodies. And so everywhere that Jesus went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, he cast out devils, and he healed the sick. And in fact, the gospels record that wherever Jesus went, he was healing people, and it actually records that he did a lot of healing in houses. And so as the great physician, uh, the doctor, if you will, he made house calls. In other words, he healed people right there where they were in whatever situation they were. So is there a doctor in the house today? So we know that Jesus is the great physician and that when Jesus is in the room, the healer is in the room. But listen to me very carefully. If Jesus is the great physician and we are his disciples then we too have been given the healing authority and power to do just what Jesus did. It's not, is there a doctor in the house? It's, are there doctors in the house? And there are doctors in the house. Because if you're a blood-bought child of God, a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you've been born again, then... Jesus has transmitted the authority of his power over sickness, disease, and sin, and all of that other stuff. He's given it to you and me. And just what he did, he's called us to do. And to go out in authority and in power and with assurance and in confidence that we can do the very same things that he did. And that includes healing the sick. And there's a lot of sickness all around us. Now, Jesus wants us, and, and by the way, we don't just heal the sick in church. We heal the sick from house to house. Out there in the world where people are hurting and where people are injured and where people are broken and where people are dying, that's where the healing power, God wants to manifest that. Now, I'm going to show my age here, but there's a few of you that are just like me. But back in the 70s, yes, the 70s, there was a television show called Marcus Welby, M.D. Anybody remember the Marcus Welby show? He was a physician. He was a doctor who had an unusual bedside manner. He knew all of his patients by name, and he made house calls. And I was remembering that show in my mind's eye when I was preparing for this and remembering how that he would walk into somebody's house and he would have his physician's bag. He would have this black doctor's bag. And, and uh, whatever the situation was, when he would go and talk and deal with the individuals, he would dig into his black bag and pull out whatever he needed for that particular situation. And, um, and so I was thinking about that that medical bag that he was carrying around. And I kind of did a little research on what doctors of that time or even of today would carry in their physician's bag. They would carry things like a stethoscope, and there was a couple of other scopes with big names that I'm not going to try, but they're ear scopes and eye scopes, and, and they had these things where they could look into. They're, so they had the stethoscopes and other scopes. They probably had tongue depressors, and they probably had syringes and needles and forceps and tourniquets and medicines. and eat. They probably even had in there a paper bag for someone who was hyperventilating. 
Uh, I've hyperventilated. Have you ever done that? I was glad somebody had a brown paper bag to help me out. And um, so anyway, so they had this black bag. And I was thinking about that in the sense that we are all physicians in the kingdom of God. We're all doctors, and in a sense, spiritually speaking, we all carry our black bag with us everywhere we go, by the Spirit, if you will. And I was thinking about what was on the inside of our medical bags in the Spirit. Like, what do we carry around? What is needful if we're going to step into the healing grace of Jesus and into the healing ministry of Jesus? And all of us are called to healing ministry, by the way. I'm going to preach anyway. You better get on board. Amen. Um, so we're all called into healing ministry. And so what is it that we need to take into hand with us wherever we go? And so I'm just going to pull out some of these um, tools, if you will. I'm just going to talk about some of the things that are necessary for us if we're going to walk in the healing grace of Jesus Right now, in today's culture, 21 centuries after Jesus came, was raised and ascended and gave us the mission. So what do we do? For, for the first thing that I want to talk about, what's in our, and if we're going to be into, into healing ministry, we all got to dig into our bag. We got to get into our bag of ministry. Amen. So what's the first thing? The first thing that we're going to need is bold faith. The number one thing, if, we, if we're going to be people who heal the sick like Jesus told us to do, it's going to require bold faith. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God loves faith, and he responds to it powerfully. I remember one day Jesus was <clears throat> reading in the scriptures where Jesus walked by a fig tree wanting to get fruit off of it, but it wasn't the season for fruit. But because there was no fruit on it, because he was hungry and wanted fruit, Jesus cursed the tree and said, may no one ever eat from you again. And so they went on into town, and the disciples watched what he did, and they went on into town. They spent the whole day in Jerusalem, and then they came back that evening, walked past the tree, said nothing about it, the next morning they get up, 24 hours later, they go past that tree, and the very tree that Jesus cursed, the disciples noticed, was dead from the root up. And they said, Jesus, look at the tree that you cursed yesterday. It is completely dead. There is nothing green on it. There is nothing beautiful about it. There is no life in it. And, in, and uh, we know that prophetically what Jesus was doing there, we know that Israel, uh, the fig tree, is a representation of the nation of Israel. And what Jesus was showing in one hand, he was saying that the nation of Israel is rejecting me, and because they're rejecting me, they will not bear fruit. So that was the prophetic significance behind what happened. But when the disciples said to him, Lord, look at the tree that's dead. You know what, Jesus? He didn't go into a teaching on the prophetic significance. He used it as an example to demonstrate the power of faith. And he says right here in Matthew or Mark chapter 11, verse 22, these were the words that he said right after this. He said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things, say those words, whatever things, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus said, instead of talking about what the fig tree represented and the fruitlessness of the nation of Israel, he rather took the whole situation and said, I want to show you guys what it means to operate in faith. You can do just what I did with this fig tree in the spirit realm, and whatever dilemma, whatever sickness, whatever problem, whatever obstacle, if you will have bold faith, you can have just, you can experience just what you saw I had right now. Amen. Jesus taught them whatever things, this whatever things involves sickness and disease. So that whenever we come into a situation where somebody is sick and hurting, dying, injured, broken, whatever the case may be, you and I need to inject bold faith into the situation. We need to come up on this, situ this situation and stop thinking to ourselves how big the problem is. Here's, here's reasons why we struggle with bold faith. Some of us are not sure that it's God's will to heal. And if you doubt that it's God's will to heal, then you're not going to be able to operate in bold faith. One day, somebody came to Jesus and said, Lord, a couple people did this actually, and said, Lord, if you are willing, I know, there's no problem, I know you can heal, but I wonder, Lord, are you willing that, I, that you heal me? And Jesus said in both instances, I am willing, be made well. That's what he said. going to be hard for you and I to operate in bold faith if we don't believe it's God's will to heal. Here's another reason why we struggle with bold faith. We struggle with bold faith because we review our past track record when we come on a problem. We look to our past, we say, well, I prayed about this before and it didn't work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, I shouldn't be the only one in the room. So we, we, we review our track record and we base what we're going to do in the present on the past. That's not bold faith. Here's another reason why we struggle with bold faith. We focus on the symptoms. We stay too focused on the symptoms. Like, how bad is it before I pray for you? How long has this been going on before I, you know, take this matter into my hands? And we look at the symptoms, and it causes us to backstep. Jesus walked up on dead people. He walked up on blind people. He walked up on people that were having a fever. 
He healed them, every one. And he said, these things you see me do, you shall do. Amen. Here's another reason why I think we struggle with bold faith. A lack of confidence. That we don't have confidence that we can do this by the grace of God. But if you have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, it's not about your ability, it's about his ability in you. Amen. So, if we operate out of any of those kinds of things, we're going to create an atmosphere of unbelief. And here's the beautiful thing. I do struggle sometimes and grapple with unbelief, myself, personally. But I'm kind of like that father of the demon-possessed boy who said to Jesus, I do believe, but I need you to help me in my areas of unbelief. And, he, and, and listen, he, in, the, in the Greek language, when he says, help me, it means be helping me right now where I don't believe. But he, did, he didn't say, well, here, I'm just going to sit around and wait till I really believe. Because if we sit around and wait till we do believe, we're going to be sitting there a long time. And when somebody needs to be healed, when somebody needs to be prayed for, when somebody needs to be delivered, we're just going to sit there with our hands in our pockets. Well, I'm just waiting to believe. That's not how it works. you got to get in motion. And like that father of the demon-possessed son, I believe. I have no doubt that you have the power to do it. But right now, be helping me in my unbelief. And right after that, Jesus delivered his son. Hallelujah. So we got to take hold of bold faith. Another thing that should be in our healing bag, our physician's bag, is number two is the word of God. The word of God has power to bring about healing in, for every sickness. Psalms 107, verses 19 and 20 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The word of God is like medicine in our bag. Because there are a lot of people that are stuck in their sicknesses and in their diseases, and it carries on in their lives for a long time because of their lack of spiritual knowledge or their lack of the application of the living Word of God. And so sometimes when we're going to minister healing to people, we've got to bring with us not only a boldness of faith, but also we need to bring with us the knowledge and the understanding of the Word of God to bring it like medicine into the soul of that person and begin to speak the Word of God to them so that they have something to, so that something in their soul will grab onto it because the Bible said, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when people hear the word of God, they're not just hearing some word, they're hearing the words of God. And when they hear the truth of God's word, something on the inside of them begins to rise up and begins to increase in them. Faith comes Faith grows, faith increases by hearing the word of God. Come on. 
So that when you're dealing with someone who is sick, sometimes they are believing lies. They don't know the truth. They may be even ignorant of the truth. And so we speak the truth of God into them. It's like medicine to the soul. We got to have bold faith, but we got to have the word of God. Amen. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 22 says. It says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. Look at this. And healing to all their flesh. Not just healing to their spirit. Not just healing to their mind. To their very being. Is this doing anything for any of us here this morning? I'm looking at a bunch of doctors. We're getting our credentials right now. This is, this is medical school right now. We need bold faith. We need the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus taught that people are held in bondage because they don't know the truth. But he said, when you begin to know the truth, the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Some don't realize the lies and the lack of knowledge that has kept them held in their sickness. But as a good doctor, we must prescribe the healing medicine of God's word so that they have something that, like, a, like a, a drug that will fight against the infection and the lie and the disease. And we need to share this. We need to share the written word of God with them, what God says in, in his word. But also, listen, the Holy Spirit will give you a word of knowledge. He may give you a word of knowledge about their situation, something that you didn't know, something that somebody could never have told you. That's what a word of knowledge by the Holy Spirit is. It's when the Holy Spirit gives you insight into a problem, into a situation, or even about a person that God says, that's my word, that's the word of my spirit flowing through you to help them to experience freedom. Amen. So we need to speak the word of God. The word of God and the word of God. Praise God. Here's another thing that we have in our bag, our physician's bag. We have the power to rebuke demons. We have the power over demonic stronghold. Now, I want to show you something. I showed you this last week. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter says these words. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now I want you to notice that. Look at those words. He went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now listen to me very carefully, very closely. Some, not all physical affliction is demonically imposed. 
Some is, perhaps some is not. But there are some people that are physically afflicted and sick and oppressed because it is a work of hell against them. They are under an attack. Not necessarily everybody, because ever since the fall of man, one of the consequences that happened to the human race as a result of our rebellion against God was the curse, the brokenness of our world and of our society, of humankind in general, and why there is sickness and disease and sin and rebellion and godlessness is because we rejected God, not because God is trying to teach us lessons. The reason for all of the pain and all of the suffering in the world wasn't God's fault, it was man's rejection of God's word. And so we brought a curse upon ourselves and the consequence of our rebellion against God, sickness entered in, among a lot of other things. And also another consequence of our rejection of God is that God gave us dominion over all of the earth. We were supposed to rule the earth. We were supposed to be in charge of the earth. But because we rejected God, we stepped out of our rightful role and there was a vacuum and Satan stepped into it. And he became the God of this age. And in fact, 1 John chapter 5, I want you to see this. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 says, We know that we are of God. How many in the room are of God? Come on, are you glad for that today? He says, we know that we are of God. But the whole world lies under the sway of the devil. So, when you are born again, well, before you were born again, before you gave your heart to Jesus, before the Lord saved your soul, you were in the grip of Satan. I know you don't think that's true, but it's true. I was a good person. I was a good sinner. No, you were a bad sinner. You were under the power of the wicked one. But when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, the old man was taken away and you were made a brand new person. And not only that, not only were you redeemed from your sin, but you were restored in Christ to your rightful inheritance and now the dominion and the authority of Jesus lies within your very soul. In you. So that there is a, there, the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But me, we, we're in Christ. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm starting to get excited now. So, so I'm saying all that to say this. When the devil attacks, and he does do this physically, and some sickness and some affliction is demonically imposed, you and I, in, a, in, any given, in any given situation, might be made aware of that by the Holy Spirit. And that's when we do just like Jesus did. We bind that spirit and we cast it out. 
Not saying that that person is demonically possessed. But remember what it said, that Jesus healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Can I tell you that there are people that are in a battle for their very life? There is a precious sister who attends this church. Her name is Tony Zimmer. Physically, she is under a great strain of attack where her throat is so closed up that she could only be fed intravenously. Is that the right, is that the right way? She can't even swallow food right now. If, you've ever, if you think of Tony, pray for Tony every day. She is in a battle right now. There is a physical, a physical attack upon her to where she, they, they have tried different procedures of going in and trying to release this pressure so that she could eat freely. And I, I don't even know, I think this may even affect her breathing somewhat, but the, this has been going on, and I texted her yesterday. She's got such a great spirit and such a, just a believing heart, but, but, but we need to be praying. for the People are in physical warfare. And one of the reasons why we don't pray for the sick, let me just say it this way, sometimes we lack compassion. How many of you know that the Bible said that Jesus prayed for people because he had great compassion upon them? He healed them because he was compassionate about what they were going through. And he took the time of day to do it. And some of us don't take the time of day to do it because we're so busy dealing with our own life. But we don't realize that there are people that are in warfare right now, physically speaking. You say, well, I, I just don't have time. I got my own problems. Everybody's going to have to get their own life together. No, we, we, are the, we are the healers, if you will. We are the physicians. We're the doctors. Amen. And we need to care. We need to take the time. And we need to bind the devil. And we need to rebuke him. Come on. Remember that time that Jesus, there was a woman who was bent over for 18 years. She couldn't straighten up. And one day Jesus healed her on the spot. But he, the problem was he did it on a Sabbath day. And the Pharisees said, well, that would be classified as work. Why did you heal her on the Sabbath day? And Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes, you hypocrites, every morning, even on the Sabbath day, you untie your donkey and go take it to give water. And this woman, and listen to what Jesus said, and this woman who's been over for, think, think of it, he said, 18 years, who's been bound by the devil for 18 years, isn't it right? Isn't it the right thing to do to heal her? Isn't it right to set this person free? The Pharisees heaped burdens upon people and told them you need to pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and deal with your pain and get over it and get to church and get on with your life. Jesus said, and you won't turn around and lift one finger to help somebody who's in need. 
There are a lot of hurting, broken, sick people today that are in a fight for their life. And they need some healers, some doctors in the house. And who take authority over the devil. Amen. Come on, are you with me? This is my message today. I, I hope you, I, well, I don't care if you dislike it. I don't care. It's too late. I'm halfway through. Um, number four, here's another thing that's in our bag. The laying on of hands. Look at your hands. God wants you to lay those hands. I know in, in a pandemic, we're not supposed to touch people. But you know, Jesus touched lepers. He touched sick, hurting, dying, broken people. He said, you'll touch. He even said in the book of Mark, he said, and nothing by any means shall harm you. He didn't say you're going to be snake handlers. He said, the snakes, the poison of disease will not destroy you. These are the words of Jesus. But we have the power of the laying on of hands. We have this instrument that God has given to us. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 40. It says, and when the sun was setting, all those who had, had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and healed them. We read earlier that they, many people would lay their hands on Jesus to be healed because when they laid their hands on him, power went out of him. But here, Jesus is laying his hands on people. Let me tell you something. Power is going out of him. When you and I lay our hands on people, it is as if the power of God is flowing through us. We're making a connection with hurting, broken people in a moment of great need in their lives. And as we lay our hands on them, the power of God, spiritually speaking, is, is transferred through us. Now, listen, there were times that Jesus just spoke healing from a distance, and people were healed. And we can do the same thing by the grace of God, right? But there are those times when God wants us to so identify and to so personalize the grace of God in a person's brokenness that we identify with them, we connect with them, we put our hands upon them, giving them that sense that something powerful is taking place, that something wonderful, that something personal is happening to them. Lay your hands on them, and the power of God will come through you. You have healing hands. You have healing hands by the grace of God. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Have you ever laid your hands on the sick, and they didn't recover? I heard a yes out there. I've done the same thing, so that makes two of us. Do I have a third? Do I have a fourth? Let me just say this. That comes out of the Bible. That is a promise. That is what we should be believing for. Instead of dwelling on what didn't happen, 
Let's look forward to what is going to happen. Jesus said, as a matter of promise, they, meaning you and me, will lay our hands on the sick. And they, the sick people, will recover. Amen. Now, right along with this idea of laying on the hands, number five, is anointing with oil. Now, let me be very clear. You might be like me. I don't carry a bottle of oil with me everywhere I go. Are you like me? I don't carry a bottle. Now, there are, there are some people who carry these little bottles of oil with them wherever they go. So I, well, I want to make something very clear. There are times, again, it doesn't imply that everywhere that Jesus went, that they were all anointed with oil when he prayed for them. But there is something powerful about anointing people with oil. And so let's look at it. Jesus sent his disciples out to do this. In Mark chapter 6, verse 13, it says that they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the description, these, this is about the disciples of Jesus, not Jesus. Jesus sent them out to do this. What did they do when they went out? They cast out demons they anointed people who were sick, and the people who were sick, who had been anointed, were healed. They were healed. Everybody say they were healed. So to anoint somebody means you lay your hands on them. One of the ways, one of the things that we can do when we, when we lay our hands on people is that if we have oil present with us, we can anoint them with oil. Now this is the reason why oil is so important. Oil in the Bible is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Always. The oil is a, is a representative of the Holy Spirit. And the act of anointing literally means to smear with oil. And so the picture is that when we anoint somebody, it's like we are transmitting, as it were, the presence of the Holy Spirit onto a person. And so, there is, it's not a magic potion or anything like that, but it's a symbolic, it's symbolic of and a, consen, a consecration to the Holy Spirit. It's almost kind of like when we take communion. Now, in our tradition, we do not believe that the juice and the bread actually literally is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Some people are taught that. We don't teach that. We don't believe that. But we do believe that something very real and powerful is taking place when we together drink the juice and eat the bread. It's, a, it's representative, but it's, it's not just a symbol. It's, there's something significant that is happening in the life of the body when we do it together, as Jesus instructed. Same as water baptism. Water baptism, or being baptized in water, again, some traditions teach that when you're born, you need to get them baptized so that if they ever die, they're going to go to heaven. But the Bible doesn't teach that water baptism gets you saved. But it does teach 
that after you receive Jesus, that every one of us should be water baptized as a demonstration of the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. And here's something that's really important. Everybody really needs to be baptized in water if you've believed in Jesus. You say, well, if it doesn't save me, what's the important thing about it? Because, first of all, Jesus said to do it. And if Jesus said you should do it, then I think you better do it. But there's something really powerful that takes place when a person steps into the water of obedience and demonstrates to the whole world, I'm no longer that old person, I'm a brand new person. Watch, down and up, and up and out. Praise God. And so the anointing with oil is very similar. Oil is oil. It represents the Holy Spirit, but when you anoint a person with oil, and you just put that, and a little dab will do you. You know, you just put that little, you know, you just kind of put that oil on them, and then you pray for them. It is a, it, it, it demonstrates a realness of the Spirit of God that's come upon them. Again, this increases the faith of people to believe for God to move in them. And so we need to anoint with oil. And the Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke. So that when I, so that when we get anointed in the Spirit of God, that whatever binds me, whatever is controlling me, whatever, whatever sickness is, it's got a grip on me, there's a breaking, there's a powerful breaking that's taking place. Amen. Come on, amen. I got a couple more. I got to hurry on. Let me do this. Uh, actually, yeah, I got a couple more. No. Here's another one that's in our bag. I got to quickly do this. We have the prayer of agreement. We have the prayer of agreement. This is really powerful. You don't always have to have somebody else with you, but it doesn't hurt when they're with you because there's power in agreement. There's power in it. James said, James chapter 5, verse 13 through 15, is any among you sick or any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? I love this. He's, this is in the Bible. He says, are you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the power of, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed any sin, it will be forgiven. Which, let me just say, that last phrase there, where it talks about committing sin, being forgiven, James is letting us know that some sickness, not all, but some is a consequence of some action on our part. And so, there may be some choices that we've made that have got us into sickness, but what I love about this is that God cares about even that sickness, even if I brought it on myself. Oh, this should put a smile on your face out there. God is good. He wants us well. But the point I wanted you to see there was call the elders, call more than one, don't be, listen, and, and, and as you and I are out there ministering healing, we need to, hey, if, if there's more than one of us, always remember this, one can put a thousand to flight, 
two can put 10,000 to flight. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 32, that's what it says. One can put 1,000 to flight. That's good, that's good odds. You and God make a majority. But you and somebody else and God, 10,000. Our odds of ministering deliverance to people and, and seeing people healed increase exponentially when we work together in that. The final thing that I want to say, one, one more, and I got a testimony I want you guys to hear, is that we have in our bag is the authority of Jesus' name. When you're praying for the sick, it's not you. It's the authority of the name of Jesus on you. Jesus said, remember what he said. He said, these things you see me do, you shall do. And greater, because I go to my Father. And then the, the next two verses after that are these. Verses 13 and 14, John 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If... You ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's the word. That's the word of Jesus. And so he says, if you invoke my name, I will give power to what you're asking. I will do what you're asking. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. How many believe God loves to heal people? He loves to heal people. Derek, I want you to come. Julie, if you could give me that microphone. I want you to hear this really exciting testimony that happened right here just a little while back. It's a healing testimony. And then in a moment when he's done, we're going to have prayer for anyone who needs to be healed or would like to receive a kind of a healing ministry you want you want to see God increase that in your life but I want Derek to just real quick give you a testimony of what God did for him hello so um, about two months ago I was healed right there and uh, so basically for the last five years I have had really bad stomach pain um, I would wake up every single morning and be throwing up nothing I'd be dry heaving and I'd have this terrible pressure that I needed to use the restroom but I wasn't able to and then the nausea would go away when I finally was able to use the restroom and I lost tons of weight I'm 28 now and I was just this year I was five pounds under when I graduated high school so I was I was getting really skinny um, and if you know anything about depression a lot of the times when you go to um, like a psychologist or counselor they look at your sleep and they look at your gut health because depression is really tied to how the gut health works and so I grew depressed um, I lost motivation in my life and um, a way that I found to deal with this was I got a medical card for marijuana and I started smoking marijuana to deal with the symptoms that I was getting and over the years it became something that I ran to for more than just pain but the emotional baggage that would come with it the stress of you know constantly being sick of being a new dad being married and then also work 
and it became um, an idol in my life. And so instead of running to God, instead of trusting in God for my healing or my provision, I would go to this substance instead. And um, God has been really doing a work in my life in the past couple of months leading up to this healing. He showed me that it's, it's not enough to just say, oh yeah, I trust in God. I mean, like we, we all would declare that with our lips, but it's a deeper thing. God weighs the hearts of man. And so he, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I trust in God, but then run to something else. And so anything that we run to aside from God can be an idol in our lives. Doesn't matter if it's TV, the medicine cabinet, um, entertainment in general. It, it can be a, a big thing that we trust in more than we trust in God. And anyway, so about two months ago, um, or it's actually about five months ago, we finally found out what it was. It took many years to figure out, in, in and out of the doctor. At first, they found some bacteria in my stomach, H. pylori, that was making me sick. And then I got through that with some antibiotics, which made me more sick. And I got another infection, um, C. diff. Anyways, they found out it was gastroparesis. So the lining of my stomach wasn't constricting and breaking up the food. So anything I was eating wasn't getting digested, and it would just slowly go through my stomach, which was making me very sick, making it hard to go to the bathroom. Um, and so they put me on a diet, and the diet did help. I still would get very sick in the mornings. Uh, I couldn't eat anything that was fatty or fibrous, which was interesting because everyone told me, you need to eat more fiber. So I was making it worse for like four years. I was making it worse every single day. Um, and the one positive thing about the diet was that I had now an excuse to not eat salads that people would offer me. I was like, oh, I can't eat it. I'm on a diet. Sorry, because it's very fibrous. So I really did enjoy that part. But I also love milk, and I wasn't able to drink milk, so that was really sad. Um, so I decided to quit smoking weed about two months, or two, two and a half months ago. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust in God for my provision. And it wasn't four days later. It, it was a Sunday, and I was on the worship team. And I was driving to Starbucks to get breakfast. Um, and on my way, you know, I got super nauseous, which I have had a thousand times in the last five years. So I pull over, you know, throw up on the side of the road, um, wipe the tears from my eyes, not that I was crying, but when you throw up, you get really, you know, your eyes get red, you get tears coming down. So I'm wiping them away, I go get my breakfast and just forget about it and come to church. We have worship practice and we go through the first set of worship and then a great sermon. And then the second service comes and we, we go through worship and Sabine gets up on stage and she says, God wants to heal stomachs today. And I knew it was like, you know, I've been prayed for a hundred times for this sickness, you know. Probably that's an exaggeration, but 50 times probably would not be an exaggeration. And so that whole idea of like, yeah, every time I would go up for prayer, I like, in the back of my head was like, I don't really think it's going to happen. I think it was the grace of God to give me two full sets of worship to go through to get myself in that zone of like really trusting in God. Um, 
Anyway, so Sabib gets up and she's like, we're going to heal stomachs today. And before I knew what I was doing, I threw my guitar off and I started running up to the front. But we were headphones, so I got kind of clotheslined with my headphone. Like, oh. So I go back, took my headphones off. I came up, put my hands out, and she prayed for me. And it wasn't like a dove came down or anything. or I didn't really feel much heat. Or, you know, Some people say they feel heat. But I did feel the absence of doubt, you know? It's like, in the process of running up for my healing, I was, I think, I just, I felt like a gift of faith in the moment. It was the first time I ever went up for prayer without actively doubting in my mind. And so the next, like, week, I started in faith, being like, okay, I'm going to drink some milk. By faith, I will drink milk. <laughs> and I started eating, you know, uh, when I was on the diet, I could only eat a portion size of about a half a hamburger, and I would be stuffed. And I had to eat like eight times a day. And if I didn't eat, I would get violently nauseous and super sick. So, you know, every once in a while, I would skip a meal and see what happens, or I would start eating more. I would start eating the things that I couldn't eat, except for salad. I still didn't eat any salad. Um, and, you know, I am here to tell you, I got absolutely miraculously healed. Now I eat three or two full hamburgers at, you know, portion sizes. <laughs> and it's like, it's every day for me. So it's like every day I, I, I get to see the evidence of my healing. I'm gaining weight finally, which is awesome. <laughs> and um, the last thing I want to share with you is that the miracle that takes place in healing ministry is I think the, the actual physical healing that people get is like this, this, this second amazing thing. The second amazing part of it is getting the healing. But the thing that was apparent in my mind is that I was seen by my creator that, you know, when I, when I said, okay, I'm not going to keep going to marijuana and like fix it myself. I'm going to rely on you. Four days, <laughs> four days later, I get my provision, and it's, it's awesome that I was healed, but the amazing part is that the creator of the universe saw me on the side of the road throwing up. And, you know, Sabine, in, in her faith, heard a word from God and stepped out and, you know, ended ended my plight. So anyways, amen. Thank you, Derek. Amen. Isn't that awesome? We need to hear that. We need to see that. We need to experience that. Let's all stand together. Today, if you're here and you need a healing touch from the Lord, I'm going to have the prayer team come and be ready. And uh, just kind of stand up here and just be ready to minister. And uh, if there's any physical issue, whether it's in your mind as small as a fever or as a lower back ache, to all the way to a doctor's report that says it's, you know, you're nearing the end or whatever the case may be. The healer is in the room, but there are healing workers Empowered by Jesus.
It's the power of the Lord. We're vessels. It's Jesus. And he's here to touch you. And I believe that he wants to touch you just like he touched Derek that day in such a loving and powerful way. So I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, if you want to leave, you're welcome to leave. But if you need prayer for anything, or maybe even you'd like to say, I want to, I want to be prayed for to step into healing ministry more in my life. Come and receive a grace and let, let them anoint you and to pray over you. And, and uh, maybe you'll see more of that if you'd like to see more of that in your life. So I'm going to pray. When I'm done, you can make your way to the front. And these folks, would be, they would love to pray with you. Father, thank you for what you did in Derek's body. Thank you for healing him. And thank you for giving him the grace to be up here today and so powerfully and lovingly share that word. And God, we know that you are no respecter of persons. What you did in him, you can do in any one of us. And Lord, you know who is hurting, who's injured, who's sick, who has a bad report. And we just pray, God, that faith would rise in their heart for you to do a wonderful thing. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, take us out of this place today, and may we walk with boldness. God, may we know that we're the doctor in the house by the grace of God, that your presence on us, God, that you, there's nothing you can't do through us who believe. So I pray, God, that we would step into that more in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says amen. 